Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. Today, this is uh, another two-parter. This is, well, I can't really say another two-parter because the Caesar one was like four parts. This uh, The Roosevelt one was like three parts. This is two parts. This is the last that we are talking about cars and electric cars and the history of cars and all sorts of things. Uh, before we get into it, should we just do any any updates from last time we did an episode? I don't think so. Let's uh, jump into some reviews, shall we? There was one here, someone called, and it took me a while to decipher the name because their iTunes username is ntn.d3w.addict. And then I realized that's Mountain Dew Addict, which we haven't done that video about Mountain Dew yet, have we? Because I just saw no. it enter like our shared folder. So mm-hmm. we, <laughs> we have a video coming up about Mountain Dew and whether it reduces your sperm count. So I, at first yeah. I thought this was an inside joke, but apparently not. Yeah, or, or shrinks your testicles, as some people say as well. Um, Do so they? stay... Stay tuned. We definitely shouldn't reveal that. This is like half our audience is now going to definitely watch that video. I hope so. Uh, they say uh, they do. They do start with an inside joke though, because we were talking previously about like the limited a bit. You know how limited five stars this is a rating. But this person says five out of five, ten out of ten, ninety nine point nine nine percent. We're missing out on a zero. Uh, 0.01% there. So we've got, there's room for improvement is what this guy's saying. Great podcast, love the random facts and interesting backstories, but not so much a fan of the practical knowledge parts. So that was the 0.01% that he wasn't happy with. So now he can change his review to be 100% satisfied because we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> uh, love the podcast nonetheless and find myself waiting for each new episode. Listen to at work. I uh, Great to listen to at work. The tangents are always interesting too. I miss the whistle cuts though. I mean, you're Simon Whistler. Yes, I am. Apologies. I'm sure you've heard that one before. No, that's uh, never, never heard that one before. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely heard that one before. Uh, what about Zolander666? This is a really long review on when you can click the more button, you know, someone's put some effort in. Uh, I love this show. So thank you. Yes. So thank you. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I realized someone emailed and was like apolo- apologized for like one mean thing they said in a five star yeah. review that I, I called them out on kind of as a joke. I didn't mean to be in any way mean. I, I truly do appreciate these. This Thomas Boucher is a very nice comment and very nice email he sent us later. So, so yeah. But yeah, it did sound, it did uh, in retrospect perhaps sound like you were, we were insulting his, his review, but no, no, that was not the intention. Did not intend to do that. I was just uh, having a little fun. So Zolanda says, uh, I love the show, especially the season and Roosevelt episodes. I'd love more historical episodes. Well, I hope you like last week's and the weeks mm-hmm. before that. And it's been a run of historical ones. So I think, yeah. I think we're doing well. I think we're in the history category in iTunes, right? So Yeah. And those yeah. often some of the best stories. There's always good stories all over, as you're seeing in the today in history. Like it's not always the stuff that's going to be like viral, uh, you know, like some of our other content. But it is some of the more interesting, I think, when you actually just sit down and listen. But just uh, it, it doesn't have the clickability potential a lot of times. This is one thing I'm really liking about podcasting so far is you have to kind of you don't have to think about virality quite as much. No. It seems more about just you can have like a really interesting talk about something and yeah. build an audience rather than just, you know, a lot of YouTubers. Let's yeah. hope this video gets a million views. That would be nice. Yeah, let's hope that you got to you got to get those metrics up good so that the, the algorithm will then favor the content and recommend it. And to do that, you know, a lot of the long history stories and stuff. Well, if, if people would actually watch them are very interesting, uh, just getting them to click 
is the hard part in podcasts. You don't have that problem. Yeah, we were having a good time looking at, or you were having a good time. Then you passed on the stats to me because you shared it with me this morning that we could now get our iTunes retention, which yeah. for those of you who, we used to, do, I, I, I've podcasted previously and this, this is a relatively new feature of podcasting. Like if you mm-hmm. do YouTube, you are used to like massively in-depth analytics all the time for everything. Whereas podcasting, it would be like, this is how many people download it. You're like, yeah. that's, that's not really helpful. I mean, it's good to know, but how yeah. much did they listen to? iTunes yeah. have introduced this. That Business Facts episode, 94% retention. 90, and if you actually look at the uh, when people cut off, it was just when we started the outro. It was just like, all right, I've had enough. Uh, and this is the average too. So actually a lot of people didn't even stop there. They went all the way through the outro, but um, that seems good. I don't know. And most of them, most of them seem to be in that 90% range since we switched the format before that it was, it was more like 70, 75%. Um, yeah. but those were like, those were like two or three hours long. As soon as Apple get that website back up, I'll have a look at it. It's been down yeah. the whole morning, which is just bizarre. It's, it's Apple's website. Yeah. So Zalanda goes on, I would listen to Simon and Devin talk about almost anything because of how good their chemistry is. How about that? Plus, they really know what they're talking about. All of their work from this to their YouTube channel is so well researched. I feel like it's hard to find reliable information that's in an engaging way. But I always know any video with Simon's face on it is trustworthy. So when I start my conspiracy channel, that's going to damage the... Keep up the great work, guys. I'm not starting a conspiracy channel. Uh, okay, uh, I, that was a long review. I appreciate everyone else who left us reviews that I didn't get to read. We've been really raking them in lately, and I'm fairly sure we're at any moment. What would we're... happen? I wonder how long it would take people if we started in uh, the Onion-style channel, but don't say it's a parody and actually act like everything is factual and just do the same like authority, authority thing and don't say it's that. Just this is a new fact channel. Did I, I wonder how... did, did I tell you what me and Shell did on biographics? Did you no. see this one? We did no. Sherlock Holmes on the 1st of April and we presented <laughs> it as if it was completely fact, just completely normal biography, up, utterly straight-faced, full 20-minute thing about Sherlock Holmes that was just made up from his, yeah. uh, you know, it was all based on what was in the books and stuff, but we pieced his life together. And we had so many comments of people being like, I thought he was because and at the end we're like and today is April 1st happy April Fool's Day guys so many people were like wow I really thought he was not real but you guys like 15 minutes in I'm like I guess he was there's a lot of people who actually think he was real because if you look at I think we've done on Sherlock Holmes's mail he still gets mail people write in asking and they have that that clerk at whatever bank or whatever that handles the mail and responds as if he is a real person to these people who are writing who thinks he's a real person somehow uh, which is pretty I don't know, crazy. I think the story was, didn't Lloyd's take, Lloyd, They his address oh, didn't yeah. originally exist. And then they mm-hmm. made like an extension to the street or something. So 22 Baker Street became an address. Mm-hmm. And then Lloyd started, the bank that was there started getting the mail. So they employed someone to like respond to all of these letters as Sherlock Holmes, which was yeah. amazing. And then the Sherlock Holmes Museum opened like down yeah, the street right, and basically right. wrangled them getting the letters instead and they weren't as cool as the bank doing it, apparently. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Uh, I like that story. There's another video you should go check out. Uh, so should we uh, should we jump into some... Well, this is kind of a bonus facts episode, right? We were considering putting the last two together, but then it would be like a two-hour beast of an episode and I think other feedback we got was the hour mark is, is pretty good. Although some people were like, I'd listen to you guys just talk for six hours. And like, that's that's nice, but that sounds really tiring. <laughs> That's a lot of talking. I'm not, I don't, this is enough talking. <laughs> I am just going to be silent for the rest of the day. <laughs> 
So yeah, so if for people who missed it, the last one we talked about Bertha Benz yeah. and her kind of how she saved Carl Benz's his company and why you still remember Benz today uh, through her little road trip adventure. And this actually, if you want, the um, 120 mile route she took is still, you can go on the Bertha Benz Memorial route. It's yeah. there. I assume it's marked well with signs so you can just kind of go through it on your car. I'm assuming this is in Germany. Yes, must be. Yeah, because these this important clarification. I know they were all German, but this was happening in Germany, right? Yeah. So the, yeah. Okay. Went, well, she went the whatever. I can't remember the name. Fortheim was where she was going, and that's definitely in Germany, right? Yes. Oh, of course, of course. Oh, it's. Uh, yeah. I'm looking it up now. It's just uh, just west of Stuttgart. So this would be. This isn't. This is uh, maybe four hours drive from me. Really. Yeah, Europe's, I mean, it's on the other side of Germany and I'm in a different country, but, you know, Europe's small in comparison to the US, yeah. so, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll get into the bonus facts now. The, the, so, have you ever wondered why engine power is typically measured in horsepower? Oh my, I have wondered. Why don't you tell? <laughs> well, it's good. That it's good then. I feel like if we wanted to make a bad podcast, this is how we could structure it. Like you ask me questions and I'm like, I am so curious about that. Please <laughs> tell me more. Was it something to do with a Scottish engineer, David? <laughs> Was his name James? Was his you... name James what? <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. So yeah, the, uh, so this actually ties into the Wise Book of Wise. I don't know if anyone knows we have a book. We have a book, and Simon reads the audiobook version, I if see. you want. And this is something pulled from that. So if you want more of stuff like this, uh, go get that. But this was, yes, James Watt, Scottish engineer, early 1780s. Um, he makes this vastly superior steam engine than the, the then the, the, the sort of the gold standard was the Newcomen steam engine. That's what everyone used. And um, James Watt made one that was just way more efficient. Um, mm -hmm. And he actually, he estimated it was about... 75% less fuel to operate it for the same power output than the new coming. So that, that, I mean, that's a massive... Can you imagine that today? So it just comes yeah. out, it's like, I've made a car that is just a, a petrol car that is 75% more efficient. Yeah. What, like it's it's a motorcycle or... No, no, it's a regular car. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge yeah. jump. It's a huge jump. And his engine would actually go on to be a big part of the Industrial Revolution. But before that happened, he couldn't sell it to anyone. No one wanted it because he was just, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's that so, big oil, man. They need to sell that. <laughs> big steam, you know, <laughs> with their water. Uh, but yeah, the, Big water, watch out. Yeah, so he's trying to sell it. No one's buying it. So he decides, okay, I'll do a royalty scheme. It's no risk to you. I will give you the engine and you just pay me one third of the money you'd save over using my engine versus the new coming. If you don't save money, you don't pay me anything. This is a great deal that for places. That is a great business idea. But the problem was he still had trouble selling it to people, so he ended up scrapping that idea. But a lot of people didn't use steamer engines too. This was part of the problem because how do you, how do you compare like a horse's power versus the steam power? What? You know, on on what the savings would be. How did he not sell this? He must be the worst salesman <laughs> in the history of the world. It's like, hey, here's a new engine. It's seventy five percent more efficient. Have it for free. Yeah. Send me a third of the savings. It'd be like, uh, no. I assume it's just because it's probably like a lot of, you know, overhead in sw swapping out to the new system, maybe. Sure, and then yeah. what if it doesn't work? He's just some guy like, you know, he's yeah. not James Watt, okay. the history figure, uh, maybe. No. And maybe he was just a horrible salesman. So a lot of people use the these horses, not steam engines. So it's kind of hard to see how much, you know, compare the two. And so he, he scrapped the royalty scheme. He's like, all right, uh -huh. I need to I need to have a way that people can understand how much more this is better than horses. Uh, so he comes up, he looks at draft horses and he's going to try to come out with a measurement. What can a draft What's horse? What's a draft horse? 
Uh, those are the like the giant horses, the you know the big old. You've seen these, not like the. I mean, I guess you could ride them, but they're they're the, like a huge beefy ones, you know. Okay, like um, for pulling stuff for doing. Yeah, work. Exa- exactly doing work. Um, okay, and so he's going to try to determine how how much how much can can a draft horse do, and how much can they sustain through the day. And nobody knows really knows today. There's kind of conflicting accounts how he measured, how he came up with the measurement he came up with, but in the end, he determined by whatever means after doing experiments that he thought. A uh, typical draft horse could do three thousand or thirty-two thousand four hundred foot pounds of work in sixty seconds, um, and maintain that power for a for a long work day, a typical work day. Um, okay. And this, so he rounded What's it a up. Foot pounds. So that's just <laughs> just still very confusing terms. Yeah. So that's just um, at the extreme end. Obviously, a horse couldn't actually lift thirty-three thousand pounds or whatever, or pull maybe. I sorry, I got to put this in kilograms because I just work that way. Uh, Thirty-three thousand pounds in kilograms. Hopefully, this is helpful to the audience. Whoa, that's fifteen thousand kilograms. That's like fifteen yeah. metric tons. So the the idea here to sort of like conceptualize it is so that means you could move thirty or lift thirty-three thousand pounds of material one foot in one minute. Um, and you can go ahead and convert that. That's a lot of conversions. Um, so uh, I'm just running the, that in my head. That is. That's a powerful horse. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the, the idea here is it scales. So, so for instance, instead of 33,000 pounds, you could do 3,300 pounds of material 10 feet in one minute. So you kind of... Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly. So it's, it's not actual, you know, 30,000 pounds, but that's what he determined. A tip, that's one horsepower. That's how he came up with the figure. Who knows? This is a vast overestimate. There's not a lot of horses that could maintain something like that, um, even when you're obviously scaling it down to actual workloads they might be pulling yeah, or lifting figures sure it, it, not a lot of draft horses could do that for a long work day but this was a great thing because the, even if he's overestimating when they actually get his engine ah, they're gonna be like good for his engine yeah it's it's even doing better Worst than they case. thought yeah exactly and so this is this is how we came up he came up with horsepower that's how it got adopted because his engine after this he people did start buying it uh, it became hugely popular big part of the industrial revolution and horsepower just sort of caught on as the way to measure um measure engine power oh that's awesome yeah and so this this uh today actually that's a S- good story behind like horsepower yeah so today the S- si unit of power the watt obviously is named after james watt and uh it it's uh, come to replace horsepower in a lot of applications but in engines it's still people still say horsepower in engines at least hang on i remember the being and this might be me remembering like a fictitious story because i know how you are with your research i've got a feeling it's not named after him I'm pretty sure it is. I got a feeling there's another Watt who came along later. Is it a James Watt? Because that'd be really funny. Because I think the horsepower and the Watt guy are different dudes. I'm really not sure about this because you're... We'll just have to... I can't imagine this is a mistake you would make. And I get the feeling this is one of those legends that I I got taught in school that is not actually true. It's definitely a James Watt. It's possible I would have made the mistake of a different James Watt, but no, Scottish engineer and inventor James Watt. Etymology dictionary online. I gotta check. Hang on. What units? What? 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 Or maybe there was another dude called Watt. Is there another? Well, I was wondering if if it was another guy named James Watt. I, that's a possible way I could have split. But a Scottish inventor also named James Watt. Uh, That'd be weird, isn't it? This uh, and and who improved the the new Coleman engine? No, this is definitely the same guy. So where am I getting this from? Because this was definitely one of those like fun facts that I was taught as a kid. And it, it was that, which apparently is totally false. But there's, I was like, there's probably lots of Watts. It seems like it could have been a common name uh, who invented other stuff. Tell you what, I'll go through 
this and we'll follow up with this next week and i'll tell you the story of why i'm wrong about this or what the story is behind the two what dudes or mm -hmm. whether mm -hmm. it was another unit that i'm confusing but mm -hmm. okay let's see other it's the other james watts let's see there was a james watt jr which was also a scottish business uh, engineer businessman and activist uh there is an artist a new zealand rugby player uh british surgeon sir sir james watt doesn't matter i'll i'll, I'll find it and I'll come back with an interesting story, hopefully. So speaking of, in the last episode, we talked a lot about how electric cars actually were dominant in the early days of cars for, for a variety of reasons of why they, I mean, they're superior even back then, except for the range factor back then was the problem, and it was still a problem until very recently. In 1899, actually, 90% of New York City's taxicabs were electric vehicles, and they were mostly made by the uh, Electric Carriage and Wagon Company of Philadelphia, um, their fleet of of cars there really yeah not only that 1899 and 1900 electric cars outsold all other types of cars um such as the gas and steam powered uh, yeah. vehicles so but those two years they were electric car was outselling them are and um some of the specs were pretty impressive so the 1902 electric car the baker torpedo it was the yeah. first car to have an aerodynamic body that enclosed the driver and the platform. Okay, so it must have been going pretty fast, but that's actually bad. Exactly. This this one, it actually mattered because this car would at one point reach 80 miles per hour, which for... Uh -huh. No, 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 that's good with me. 80 miles per hour works. <laughs> it's it's weird that I would do weight in kilos, but 80 miles per hour, I'm totally cool with. What is this? Probably like 120, 30 kilometers. Uh, it is 128.748. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, and so, yeah, so this is funny, though. Uh, well, not it dark, this is darkly humorous. Uh, the, uh -huh. <laughs> this, so in this in this run where it does the 80 miles per hour, it was a speed test and it accidentally crashed and killed two spectators. Uh, so in the then later, it was clocked. Hilarious. At, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> uh, no, the, the funny part is later it was clocked at 120 miles per hour. They did it. But this time they didn't invite anyone and no spectators uh -huh. allowed on this on this test. So, yeah. Because, I mean, using basic math, that would then kill three spectators, 50%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that is, that's incredible. Like the early, early 20th century, this, this vehicle going, the electric vehicle, no, no less, going 120 miles per hour. First of all, think, what, where are they driving this thing? For one thing, like a road where you wouldn't just shake yourself to death. Uh, on that uh, back then. Right, I mean, it was That's, cobblestones. I mean, tarmac yeah. was not a thing. Yeah, I assume probably similar to speed tests where they go out in the desert or whatever with the hard pack ground that's very smooth. So. Or those, those salt flats, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, so I would assume. Cool. But anyway, they, they electric car. Uh, so How are these yeah. things powered? Yeah, just, just the batteries. Just, it was just, I mean, they didn't have the energy density anywhere near what we have now. Uh, so this was, again, the, the problem with range and all that. Um, but, but they the, were the, the taxis in the city were electric vehicles. Yeah, this is the thing because it didn't it didn't matter in the city, and it was actually an advantage because the electric vehicles had no real excessive vibrations like the engines. They weren't super loud like the engines of the day. They were quite quiet. Um, didn't emit. Oh smoke yeah, I mean I'm sold on electric cars. Well, yeah, we was it today? It's like in yeah. pretty much every way they are better. <laughs> yeah. So um, what happens? Yeah, so the this is the thing is at the time no one cared about the long range factor because in the end of the day you weren't traveling very far back then they didn't have these massive right. freeways connecting cities and things so you weren't taking you didn't care your car was to you run around train, town right yeah exactly you, you're just going to run around town in it and for a taxi that's perfect and you can recharge it and it, and they weren't that expensive like I mean you think the complexity is so much less. Than, than the engines, right? So they, they actually were price competitive at the time. And of course, Henry Ford would come along and, and shoot that in the foot. Um, so that, or that, would, that was the end of that. Okay. 
uh, that price competitiveness. Um, but at the time, they weren't. I think it was about a thousand dollars was a typical one, which um, typical electric car base model, which was I think if I remember correctly, it was about thirty two thousand dollars today. So I mean, expensive, okay. but not so crazy. Uh, and the, and a top of the line electric car might might run about you know two two times that amount or whatever. So that's just accounting for like inflation rather than wage wages right? yeah yeah just the general inflation um to today so it, w- it wasn't something like anyone in the middle class was probably you know stampeding to buy sure. but you could you could it wasn't so out of reach for people and so this was electric cars regular cars the same way they were they were running around the same price so why wouldn't you buy the electric when you don't care about the yeah. long range you know per se you just want to run it around town so electric taxis works great can you imagine it would be like even the fastest cars in the world mm-hmm. are not I, I don't know how fast like a model t went but it probably wasn't like super quick no i don't think so and then you've got a car that can go 120 miles per hour it'd mm-hmm. be like the equivalent of buying like a rocket today yeah and getting to drive that around <laughs> yeah and so and then the steam cars too i mean steam cars are still pretty popular at this point uh and the steam cars the the they had some advantages over the the internal combustion engine and everything but they still had the problem of you you know you had to stop and fill them up and on a cold day if it was like winter you're talking about having to wait like a half an hour to an hour for the for the boiler to heat everything back uh. up to so you can go uh, and the the gas internal combustion, you had to crank them uh, oftentimes back then. A lot of them were those hang cranks that were kind of dangerous. And the electric car, yeah. you just sat in it and then whatever the throttle mechanism was, and then you went. Uh, so it was just, it was just a nicer, nicer experience, quiet. You could talk. It wasn't just this loud, like lawnmower sound as you went backfiring every two seconds. And it was basically Henry Ford that, that put a bullet in this. Yeah. So 1915 was when, when this kind of happened, this switch, when he comes out with the you know, Henry Ford does his thing. So he's, he's got the, you know, the assembly line. He does a lot of improvements to worker conditions and actually cuts hours, um, worked massively. And this increases production in the, in yeah. the quite a bit. So he actually makes more cars off. I think it was like half the hour or the work hours. And yet they were producing more cars because people have happier workers. They weren't, you know, they, they got free time. And he, he was yeah. a big part of why we have the eight hour work, uh, work day and the 40 hour work week was Henry Ford. And this actually, he found counterintuitively increased production versus the hundred hour work weeks or whatever people were having to do. Oh, and he also paid, he paid like two, he instantly just doubled or tripled their pay. I can't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but it was something like double or tripling the pay. Like here, here's double or triple. And turns out people worked harder that way. And, yeah. uh, you know, it all worked out Henry for him. And Ford's then, a really interesting character. Yeah, his, his autobiography is, is quite good. And uh, in a lot of respects, you look at uh, Elon Musk's progression of, the, of Tesla, and he, for a while there at least, he was definitely following kind of the, the Henry Ford huh. model of, of structuring his company and like building it and growing, a, gr- basically growing a car company from scratch. How would you do that? He kind of copied a lot um, from the way Henry Ford did it. Huh. So yeah, when Henry Ford 1915 comes out with the base price of, the, uh, of his car at $500 a piece, it's equivalent about $12,000 today. This just, uh, the electric car had steadily risen in price as they, as they added more batteries and, and, and yeah. more features and things. Um, so now the average was about $1,700, which is about $41,000. Uh, so this was a jump. This was a jump and it's still... Funny enough, I believe it was Henry Ford's wife actually preferred the electric vehicle, so and he could afford it. So he he she actually drove around <laughs> one of these rather than the no Model way. T. Yeah, I don't remember how long this lasted, but this was a thing for a while where where she drove the electric because it was just so much nicer car experience than than what he was doing. Um, so she had a luxury electric car. Um, I guess that's not like super surprising. Like if you had the money, yeah. If you make like 
I don't know, like a, if you own like a super low end car company, but you're a billionaire, you know, yeah. at some point you'd probably be like, um, it's, it's, I, I, I want a Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, um, yeah, so hybrid cars too, not just electric cars, hybrid cars were a thing. Uh, Porsche was the first one, I think, that invented the, the, the first hybrid, uh, Ferdinand Porsche. His, um, wow. So he had his, uh, it was the Semper Vivus, which is, means always alive. Uh, so yeah, it was an electric car that could go long range, basically. I'm sure that's how he came up with the name. Uh, so this was based on an earlier car that he had made, the Loner Porsche, which I think was the first car Porsche ever made. So the first, they were an electric car company to start. That's crazy. This electric car he made was really cool. So he had the, it was the first, uh, so for, first he had it as a two-wheel drive, but he didn't, unlike a lot of people, instead of making the electric motor on the, on like the outside, as you would think, like where you put the normal motor, he built the, yeah. you can design an electric motor to be in the wheels easy enough. Uh, it's not really that hard. I only recently came across this. I saw I, these electrified scooters. Yeah. I see people riding around a lot Exactly. Now. I'm like, where's the engine? Where are the batteries? Because they yeah. just look like these regular push scooters. But they go like 30 kilometers, an hour, uh, 20 miles per hour for like yeah. 20 miles. And yeah. they're, in the, they're in the wheels, in the tiny yeah. little wheels. Yeah, and this is exactly what Porsche did with his loner Porsche. And so he first, he, and the great thing about this is... When you was this? Like a hundred years ago? Yeah, it was in the early 20th century. I That's think so 19, 1900, 1901, something like that. Somewhere around there is when he, he made this. So the... So yeah, they, they're in. So he, and the great thing about this is he could then make a four-wheel drive car without. He didn't need the gearbox, the clutch, because oh, that's another advantage of electric cars. You don't need a gearbox because they can, you know, ramp up the RPMs pretty, pretty fast, and they keep the torque right. uh, pretty good through the spectrum. And I so, think that Tesla only has like two gears, right? Or uh, zero, zero. It's a, it's well, one. I should say it's a, it's not, it's not a geared. It's just direct. Actually, it must be one because I think there is a gearbox in there, so it must just be one. But it doesn't shift. The point being, okay. Um, I was I was reading. I, I just think in the in his biography, and I'm thinking of the original Roadster because the biography is mm-hmm. a couple of years out of date. Uh, and I think he was talking. There were there was whole talk about how they kept shifting into the second gear, and then it would just uh, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. Um, anyway. Yes. So the modern the modern at least the the Model Three does. It's just a nice smooth. Uh, but yeah, the um, so yeah, his didn't have gearbox. He didn't have a clutch. He didn't have a drive shaft. Was, so that's all. All of a sudden, makes it a lot more efficient because you don't have that energy loss uh, in in yeah. all that. And he could also make a four wheel drive version, which he did. Which I'm not sure if this is the first car. I think it was one of the first, if not the first, to make a four wheel drive vehicle because he could. You know, it was just the you know you just added to another. You got another wheel, so just add an right. extra motor, which adds some power and you know all that. So he ends up changing this to sort of an adaptation of this when he wants to finally as long range becomes a thing as roads start you know going and people want to take their cars longer he then made a hybrid which was the semper vivus as i said and he used two 2.45 horsepower motors which he put on then he um it produced about 3.68 kilowatts between the two of them and then he took he cut the batteries almost in half like the battery cells from 74 to 44 just to account Mm -hmm. you know reduce weight a little bit and with the motors he didn't need um as much storage there uh, yeah, and so the generator in his system, this first hybrid, would directly power the electric motors, and then any excess power was then used to charge the batteries, and then anytime you wanted as the driver, you could just switch off the the internal combustion motors and just run off the batteries. Gosh, I'm I'm just thinking how cool it would be to do a little mini documentary and go and see some of these things. Yeah, I'm this sure, is amazing. Yeah, I'm sure they have someone's like had you know in museums and stuff. They probably have exam- these cars. Um, There's a big Porsche thing not far away from me at all where they do the manufacturing and the testing. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, that'd be awesome. 
Oh yeah, and his uh, Porsche Porsches this this hybrid also had kind of an innovative starter system, which again, like there were starter systems as we talked about with Benz and everything, but most it was still the hand crank. And he had a hand crank on if you wanted to hand crank it, or if the batteries are dead. But you could also simply uh, there was a, a way to just reverse the polarity on the electric motors, which would then crank the motor, the actual engines over and start it up, and then you just put it back to go the other way. So it was quite an interesting reverse little. the polarity. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, positive to negative, and so it runs. Also, oh, spin the other way. Yeah, exactly. So this is why huh. this would crank the motors the way he designed huh. it, and uh, yeah, you, or you could use a hand crank if you wanted to start it that way. How'd you go in reverse if you had? <laughs> yeah, so did, did, they probably didn't have reverse, right? They probably just got out and pushed. This was because you would have needed a gear. Well, not with the electric, right. but with a lot of these other cars, you would have needed the gear, and a lot of these cars didn't have these clutch and gear systems that were coming out in the earliest days. So I'm sure they actually a lot of them probably just went forward. I guess like you're not really doing any parking and stuff so much like you're not yeah. doing the well and uh, you can just get out called. get out and push it backwards you know speaking of these motors in the wheels in a Tesla are the motors in the wheels because there's no. no there's like a boot in the front and in the back so yeah no they're they're, they're not there's a there's it's just not very big because electric motor doesn't need to be very big depend I mean depending mm-hmm. on the design it doesn't need to be very big to do a lot of power like the Model 3 the rear the rear motor has almost 300 horsepower and it's just, it's not big like I want to say like two two human heads you know adult human heads ish okay with horsepower uh, just shy of it i think it's 280 or 290 or something and uh and the the model s and x are insane they between the two they have a theoretical of like i think the model x is like almost 800 horsepower but it doesn't it doesn't actually achieve that in real life i think in real life it's like 500 or something between the two motors or whatever Still, that thing goes like naught to sixty in like f- yeah. three or four seconds or something it's, ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's insane. But yeah, so the the, as the hybrid, this this Porsche's um, mm-hmm. his his initial one, it went uh, twenty two miles per hour as the top speed and one hundred and twenty four miles of range with full tanks and bat full batteries, um, which were both. I mean, that doesn't sound impressive today, but in the early twentieth century, that was pretty impressive. No, it it impresses me enormously. Yeah, uh, this and, is a hundred years ago and a hybrid car, and yeah, yes. And yeah, it had the reliability of electric, but also, you know, it could have the range, assuming the engines, you know, continue working and everything. So yeah, then uh, he actually updated this. So this actually must have been in the late 1890s when he made this, because he, he made an updated version in the loner Porsche Mixty. And that was in 1901, and that had a 25 horsepower engine, and it could go 60 kilometers per hour or 37.2 miles per hour. And uh, yeah, he later had a four-wheel drive version that could go up to 70 miles per hour or 112 wow. kilometers per hour. And um, four-wheel, four-electric motors. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The hybrids were a thing. And again, coming all back to Henry Ford, because he finally made this, I mean, incredibly complicated engine and, and car that was also, his his Model T was so reliable. That was, I mean, if you read his autobiography, this was the thing. It had to be, so he wanted, his goal was to make a car that when you were just, you were just like, I'm done with this car. I want a different car. I can now take this this engine out of it. It's still going to work and I can use it for like uh, farming stuff or use it for, you know, some sort of manufacturing as people were using. Henry Ford's plan. Yes. So his car, yeah, he wanted okay. the model to be to be just that. It just never died. Basically, you could just run it forever. It wouldn't quit. That was his goal. And to make it cheap, 
make it cheap to anyone. Yeah. Any middle class could afford it. And he managed it. He made this incredibly reliable car, you know, by standards of the day, of course, Sure. that you could, you could take the, and it was easy to repair too, was the other thing. And you could easily take the engine out, put a new one in if you wanted. You could use an old engine if you wanted to use it for other things, um, just after, you know, you get in a different car or whatever. So this was the thing. He made it. $500 a piece was all it cost. <laughs> It it's just, quite an unusual idea in today's like modern concept, the idea that, oh, you're done with your old car. Well, I'm going to use the wheels as this, yeah. and I'm going to take the engine and use it on my farm. Exactly. So it was just this, he wanted it to, to last forever, and he managed it. He made it cheap. He made it reliable. It was simple. Like, it didn't have a lot of the features of a lot of cars at the time. We're sure. having a lot of luxury cars. But it didn't matter. It did the job. And so it people loved it. wasn't what he was it. going for. Yeah, it wasn't what he was going for. It worked out. His company exploded, obviously, and still around today. And he killed all all of the competition, hybrids, wow. electric, everybody, you know, everybody had to play catch up to, uh, you know, internal combustion engine companies still, others were still around, but they had to play catch up to what he was doing and uh, sort of established the in uh, the industry there and killed, killed the, oh, around the same time, the other thing was, um, so gas was really expensive around this time, but around the same time Henry Ford was doing his thing, uh, in America at least, they discovered crude oil in Texas and Oklahoma, which drastically dropped the price of gas, gasoline or Fortuitous, petrol. yeah. Yeah, around the same time, roads started, you know, expanding as people wanted to drive longer. So, you know, that also helped contribute to the to the death of the, the electric car, but or temporary death, I should say. It's sort of reemerged of late. That's that's fascinating. So Ford, great idea, great execution, amazing timing. Yeah, and amazing manager of his people. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely a lot of the micromanager of looking and how to make the, I mean, an engineer at heart and ha applying engineering principles very similar to Elon Musk's first principles, stuff that he runs his business very different than a lot of a lot of car yeah. companies do for a very good speaking reason. Of, speaking of micromanagement. Yeah, exactly. But the way he does it, I mean, it works. I mean, when you're starting a car company, that's one of the hardest things to do. And to do it successfully is something that, I don't know, when was the last company to, to start a new car company that actually survived? Besides Tesla, uh, I can't name any. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Well, maybe the I'm sure in the last half century, maybe. I, I'm but, sure there are, but nothing on the same scale. Yeah, nothing on the the scale, and so far so good there. But yeah, this is this is obviously when Henry Ford was doing it was easier, but he still did it different. And we can we have him to thank for our low work hours, or you know, if you don't turn out today in histories and all the other stuff we do all the time. If you're a regular person and you don't like killing yourself with work. <laughs> Eight-hour workday, please. <laughs> Eight hours between getting up and lunch and then going yeah. to another shift. So now another bonus fact. Completely different thing. The first speeding infraction, and we're going to have to go over to Great Britain, actually. Hey, for that. my county, yeah. Kent, Yeah, where I'm from. East, uh, mm -hmm. East Peckham, Kent. Is that East a, Peckham. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, January. I'm not from East Peckham, but it's, it's close. Nice. So yeah, January 28th, 1896. Walter Arnold was going a breakneck eight miles per hour in a two mile per hour zone. Wow. Do you think he just wasn't paying attention? <laughs> so yeah, he, he received a fine of one shilling for his, his dangerous driving. Uh, do you, you don't have any idea. Is that even translatable to modern money? Yeah, I, I, I think that one actually might be because some, so the British one, some of the others like the, the French franc and some of those, uh, those are difficult to, those have like huge error bars. Um, but sometimes the British ones, they have some pretty good ones. The U.S. ones are great. They, there's a lot of good ones for the dollar. Hold on, because uh, our problem is we didn't have decimal current. That's not decimal currency. There's a good British one out there that I use a lot. Let me see. Um, you know, we only, apparently we only started using. Wow, so my parents were using, I guess I did know this. They were using shillings and stuff. 
It was in 1971. Here we go, measureworth.com. That has that one that lets you put in shillings. Tell me, well, tell me what a shilling is. What was this? I, let me guess. I'm going to guess it was 60 pounds. 80 pounds, 80 Let's pounds. see what we're, 1896, is that what we said? Uh, uh, close enough. But this one's got the, uh, someone of error bars, so... By purchasing power, um, let's see here, if you want to, if you want to do by income. Yeah, give me the purchasing power. I think that's they got like, better. They got measure. like 12 numbers here. I'm trying to see which one would be the best. See, this is never easy, is it? No. Like, it, you think, oh, you just adjust for inflation. There's so much going on. Dollars is really easy because I think, uh, I don't know, for after when you're talking, well, pretty much in the early 19th century on. Uh, and before that, of course, you don't go older than that, whereas like British and French and all those, you go much, much older. The dollars one, the dollars are fat. I don't know why I started getting recommended. You must know this. It just comes up on my YouTube homepage all the time now because I think I watched one of their videos. It's called Porn Stars. And it's about <laughs> these guys who run like a porn shop and people bring in stuff. Are, are you familiar with this? No, no, not at all. Okay. It, it feels very, it's like very American. It's kind of that fast paced, like, I don't know what I can give this for. I could do this. And he's yeah. like, oh, but I really wanted to get this. And it's like, dun, 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 dramatic music. It's, have you ever seen the, the, the comparison of like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares between the mm -hmm. US and the UK? Yeah. yeah it's, a, I just love the difference. If anyone hasn't seen this, please go watch this. It's, it's amazing. Like the difference between the TV shows, but it's, it's got this vibe. Anyway, the part of the story was, it, there's these really fascinating ones about like old US bills. And so like a guy brings in like a thousand dollar US bill from mm -hmm. like Whoa. 1880 or whatever. And, and the guy's like, the good news is, it's at least worth a thousand dollars because you can spend this today. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. We can't spend notes that are like 10 years old in the UK because they change their designs. Then you have like a grace period mm -hmm. and then you can't spend them anymore because well, otherwise people will just counterfeit the old ones. People still have trouble though when they try to spend like the, the $2 bills, which are a thing, but the, every now and then you'll yes. have a news story about someone, you know, a big old thing being arrested for this or that because people don't believe it was a thing. And I don't know how $2 bills when I was a kid, like, they were around. They weren't like, they weren't super common, but you, you see them. I had a $2 bill. I went to the US maybe 10 years ago, got a ten two dollars bill. Maybe it was even before then. I had it for a while and then I lost it. Yeah. I don't I don't understand how, how like, uh, you know, certain police and like these people don't know. Like, really? You've never, never seen a $2 bill? You're yeah. arresting someone? I mean, yeah. how dumb do you think they are? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet, why would you, a $2 bill? Really? You do a $100 bill, not a $2 bill. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, by the economic power was about 60 pounds, or if you wanted to do like a, just a pure um, standard of living, uh, it's down to only like five pounds uh, equivalent. Uh, yeah, but yeah. that's, people would be speeding all the time. <laughs> you yeah. imagine getting pulled over, that'll be a fiver. Be like, so I'm having a cheaper lunch today? <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, that was one one shilling, not, not super, but it, it's just, I'd say it's funny, a two mile per hour zone, really. And did they even have speedometers on a lot of these early cars? I would guess not. Probably not. Just it's got it's got like one to eight. <laughs> anyway, it's interesting. What what I wanted was wanted to know was whether the I, I don't know if I'm accurate because it's been I've, I've never got a speeding ticket. Fortunately, touch wood. Mm, nice. um, but I know in the UK that it's I it used to be sixty, maybe it's eighty now. But I know it's around that mark. So it's interesting. It's about the same. Mm -hmm. Although if you're doing four times the speed limit you are going to lose your license and end up in court. Yeah, yeah. yeah like if you're going, because normally villages are about 30 miles per hour, if you're going 120 through a village, you could, you, you know, yeah. that's not going to be good for you. Although on the You're going to get a criminal record. On the flip side, if you're only doing six miles per hour over the limit, no one's going to do anything about that. 
That's true. That's true. But it's all relative. So, yeah, in the previous episode, we were talking about this guy. Cugno. What was his first name? We should probably say because this is Nicholas Joseph Cugno. Or Cugnot. But I'm assuming it's Cugno because he's French. Yeah, I just checked. He, He is French. Definitely French. Yeah, so we talked about his first uh, sort of not well-documented accident that supposedly happened where he was going two miles per hour and then, you know, crashed into someone's garden wall on accident. Uh, So this this may have been the first car accident, but because of the lack of documentation, some people point to this next one, which is well-documented. And this was August 31st, 1869. This was what was probably like over a century after Cugno and uh, in the city of Burr in Ireland. And this one, mm-hmm. this one, not so happy an ending. There was a, interestingly, a scientist and writer named Mary Ward. So a woman scientist and writer back then in the 19th century. In this 1869. Was, yeah, this was a, this was a accomplished woman here. And unfortunately, um, she's driving in, in the, in this car. Uh, she was the first known person to be killed by an automobile. You can bet back in 1869, they were like, well, that just shows women shouldn't become scientists, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, and, punishing her and then and this new these newfangled machineries you know that we can just stick to the horse like we've always done yeah <laughs> um, what are these people called uh luddites luddites yeah, yeah um so yeah so the car in question hits a bump it jolts suddenly uh-huh. and then it throws she gets thrown from her seat and they didn't oh have, god they didn't have seatbelts that ahead yeah that and then sound good. she goes under the under the wheels and it's a hard thing oh. heavy thing oh. and she she dies almost immediately and so this, this, the reason why it's so well documented is because it was in the King's County Chronicle. They, they talked about it and there was an inquest uh, over, over whether, whether anyone who's, whose fault is this death? Like is, is the driver at fault? Cause you know, driving oh. into, and this wasn't, you know, obviously clear by the law. And they, they ended up determining that no, it's just a, her Mary, Mary's accident it was just, it was just an accident, whatever. And so the, um, but yeah, the, this murderous, uh, steam carriage that was, that was invented, <laughs> By, by a guy who would become Sir Charles. Yeah, we do have that one where like they hang the elephant. Oh, that, that is the, a brutal the, today yeah. I found out video. That is so sad. It, it was quite sad. And um, but yeah, because the elephant, you know, killed someone. But um, yeah, so Sir Charles killed someone who was like tormenting. Yeah, exactly. Sir Charles Algernon Parsons. Uh, he wasn't a sir at the time, but and his brother, the they they were in the car that and he was driving Parsons. So the, the thing is, is when this happened, this car he invented, he was only 15 at the time. Wow. Yeah. This steam powered car that's doing like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the earliest precursors to modern transport, he invents it at 15 and builds it. But yeah, just, I, I always like this, uh, just a year later at 16, Alexander the Great was conquering uh, Medi when, uh, yeah, when they revolted against Macedonia and at 16, Joan of Arc was going on. Do you, up- do you always have to do this? I mean, I'm always thinking, I'm doing okay. Look, I got a YouTube channel. And then it's like, oh, yeah. Well, that's what I was saying with this Parsons. He thinks he's so awesome with his steam-powered thing that kills someone. We'll show him. He didn't even think of seatbelts. What was he doing? You know? And so, yeah, at 16, Joan of Arc's approaching approaching a garrison commander as a 16-year-old girl and being like, yeah, I'm going to tell you how to do your job. And they listened. So, yeah, Parsons, take that. But he did eventually... Sir Par- he became Sir Parsons later, and I don't remember what he did. A lot of interesting things, but I can't remember now. To earn the Sir, it wasn't the steam carriage why he's called a Sir. I think he invented something else. Well, if he if he invented the steam carriage at 15, maybe he was inventing like teleporters by the time he was 30. <laughs> yeah. and... what, did, what did he? I swear, I, I, I thought I noted this somewhere. Best known for the invention of the compound steam turbine 
He was all, also worked as an engineer on dynamo and turbine design, power generation, great influence on the naval and electrical engineering fields. So I'm guessing maybe something to do with that. You can see why he would be he would be knighted, probably with the Industrial Revolution, military stuff. That's that's good. Wow. I love how they just throw it in. He also developed optical equipment for searchlights and telescopes because obviously he wasn't busy enough. It's like, I've also got a podcast. Boom. <laughs> Take that, Sir Parsons. <laughs> so yeah, when you're going over to English soil, so what was that? That was in Ireland, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you go over to the English soil, 1896 was the first fatal car accident. And that was one Bridget Driscoll. And she was this, I mean, it's not funny, but you know this, this scene in Austin Powers where the, where the uh, guy, where, yeah, exactly, uh, with the steamroller, steam or, or yeah. yeah, the steamroller coming along. One of the greatest like, scenes in Austin Powers. Yeah, so this is, this is basically what happened here. This car is going four miles per hour. She's well away from it. She could have just stepped aside long before witnesses said she just froze. She, this car is zigzagging towards her, too, is the other thing. Is what it must, maybe it was a Michelin car, like we were talking about. Yeah. Unless, whatever. But it's coming towards her, zigzagging from quite a ways away. It's really loud. These cars are really loud. It's not like she would have not heard it coming. And witnesses said she just, she just froze. She was just wide-eyed staring at it, like, probably, what is this thing? Uh, it's, what, it's, for like 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> it's, so anyways, it comes. It hits her. Because, I mean... The, the driver clearly didn't have a huge control over it because it was zigzagging all over the place. Um, so, yeah, he hits her and um, then she died. And that's the first fatal accident in English soil. Sad, but speaking... That doesn't make my countrymen look super smart. Yeah, speaking, <laughs> speaking of getting hit by things, are you aware James Doohan, Scotty from Star Trek, hit by six hey, bullets on that, D-Day? That was smooth. Yeah. That yeah. was... What did he do? Six. He got hit by six bullets on D-Day, but not... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we do a video about this back in the day? A long time ago, but I yeah, like this one. Yeah, a long time back. I like this one. Yeah, so four rounds to his one of his legs and one in his hand, which he lost his middle finger. or lose. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, and you don't you can see this in some of the episodes of Star Trek, but they tried to hide it. Um, one in his chest. Um, and the one in his chest actually would have been would have been fatal, but he had a cigarette case that is, I think it was his brother. Yeah, it was his brother that gave him that deflected the bullet um, away from vital. Oh, it's like a movie. Yeah. Or Roosevelt. Yeah. Or like, and his like, speech. This is the thing. I, I would assume, though, you're going to you're going to storm the beach. And his his was the beach of Juno. And I, you put metal things in front of your heart. Definitely. Just in case. <laughs> But yeah, so this was a kind of a rare case of smoking actually saving someone's life. Um, but yeah, uh, he did quit. He did quit smoking later. But um, but yeah, you can actually you can also see this uh, not only in the episodes his missing finger, um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and uh, mm-hmm. that's when uh, when he hands McCoy the the transwarp drive. You can see he's missing his middle finger there. And then in uh, Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier, when he when he gives uh, Lieutenant Uhura a plastic bag dinner. Wow, someone has really looked into this. That's yeah. like a frame by frame analysis. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's wow. quite a few episodes where you can they they tried to hide that he was missing a finger, but they weren't always successful. Um, so yeah, but and then you might think here, all right, he got shot by enemy soldiers, right? Nope, nope. It was a Canadian soldier, and he's Canadian, by the way. Um, a lot of people think he's Scottish. He was not. He was Canadian. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, of course he speaks in a Scottish accent the whole time. Yeah, so he was Canadian, and he was crossing crossing in the evening. He was crossing between posts. Just you know, he probably you think about this. You you storm the beach of Juno on D Day. You survived that. It's the night. Things have calmed down. You're like, all right, I lived. I did it. And then you're, and you're shot by a, a, a some Canadian guy just starts opens fire on him when he's so yeah. Wait, so. Why was he? I think we talked about this in the video, but why? Why was he Scottish? 
Like, yeah, so... why did they make him? We're talking like 200 years in the future. It probably, you know, yeah. let's be realistic. Accents are probably going to be very, very different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's yeah. he was well known before this. He had done like something like 4,000 different episodes of radio shows and like 400 different episodes of TV shows of various types in Canada. And he was particularly known for his voice acting. He was really good at accents. He was really good at that. And so when okay. he was when he was auditioning for the role of, um, and he was talking to Gene Roddenberry about it, and 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 Gene Roddenberry just asked him, what what do you think? What's the best? He, so he tried different accents for him and different things, different ways to portray the character. And Roddenberry is like, which one, which one do you like best? And then um, Scotty says... Well, if you want an engineer, he better be a Scotsman, because in my experience, all the world's best engineers have been Scottish. There's a tie-in to today's yeah, uh, video true. as well. I mean, we're Dude. talking about that. James Watt, the guy I got confused yeah, there about. There have been a lot Scottish? of... I, uh, possibly. I think. think he was. But even if not, there have been a lot of really good Scottish engineers through history, so not... Especially yeah. considering the low population compared to, like, the whole world and everything. So, yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah, he... That's how Scottish he, inventor. Oh, yeah. yeah. James Watt. Yeah, they okay. went they went with uh, Scottish and uh, the name Montgomery Scott. Obviously, the Scott was because he was supposed to be Scottish and Montgomery was two uh-huh. hands middle name. So it uh, worked out. That's how they came up with that. It seems quite strange. Like, I don't imagine many days you go now. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm auditioning for this role. I'd like to have a say in the character's name. Yeah, Everybody's I'm sure. Like, I'm the sure. character's name is John. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this was after they were like, yeah, we're going to go with this guy. He's got he was a, he was quite a well-respected, you know, voice actor and actor yeah. before in Canada anyway. Uh, so yeah is that it for today that's it i like that i like these bonus i often think like these bonus facts ones they're kind of fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm glad we do more of these because we did them with the caesar did we do them with i think we did them with roosevelt as well yeah it's like it feels like an awful lot of an awful lot of fact in in an hour yeah and and random which is kind of fun sometimes especially when you get to work star trek into each and every one of them yeah well done by the way yeah thank you uh so uh let's just wrap it up there uh as i said Drop us a review. That would be fantastic. Head over to iTunes. Uh, let us know how we're doing or send us an email to let us know how we're doing. If you'd like to send us some private feedback, podcast at todayfoundout.com. Also visit our forum. Forums? Forum? Forum. Help so me out. There are forums, forums. Yeah, I think you would say. But it's... Uh, forums.todayfoundout.com. Yep. Forums.todayfoundout.com. Cool. Good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Come and say hi. Uh, all of that good stuff. And we'll be back uh, next time with, a, with another brand new show. And thank you very much for listening. I'm Googling. Mm-hmm.